0: Podcast. My name is Tyler Puppets, and welcome back to the third Sunday after Epiphany for the week of January 23rd, 2022, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are continuing to work with and deal with these texts. Again, I think this is a kind of an exciting week we get to deal with here, and I found it really fun to deal with and work through. Before we jump into it a ton, I do want to do a shameless shout out to EO Wilson, who I talked about a couple months back, talking about how he was the one who discovered how ants have a chemical pheromone that comes out to release to the colony to let them know that they're dead and carry them to the graveyard. I found out recently that he has passed away, so I just wanted to do a shameless shout out to him, one of these guys who is moving forward the scientific technology, bringing forth new discoveries, and I think that's kind of a neat discovery, and a really powerful one to better understand how pheromones and different chemicals being released out of the body, how different creatures and different things are interpreting those, and so that was super, super cool, and super disheartening to hear that he has passed. But before we jump into the text this week, we have to do our Twitter question from last week, which is, where do you need to get out of the, quote, pouch? And this is one that I really am thinking, and as I kind of talked about a little bit in the end of last week, the church is in a big pouch in a lot of ways between a single congregation, being a church denomination and church denominations. I think we're in a lot of different pouches, but I think even a lot of ways society is questioning what pouches have we been in for a long time? Which places have we been safe? And we've just said, this is the way that it always is, and this is the way that it always will be. And especially based off of what we've gone through from nearly the past two years, it's causing us to reconsider and think about a lot of different things on what does this all mean and should we reconsider how we've done things and maybe there is a better way of doing them and i think that's a interesting place to be at i think it's a unique place to be at it's a privileged place in a lot of ways to be at to work through as a society to work through as a church to work through even as an individual i look at my life in the little over a year I've been married, getting close to a year and a half, and having my spouse be in the house and my wife questioning and pushing me with decisions that I make, things that I'm thinking about, things to be able to consider and look at and have you thought about it this way? Have you thought about it this way? I think these have been huge in building my character and pushing me and challenging me to become a better person. And become more who God has created me to be. But I think also in society, how are we doing that to continue to grow? How are we doing that as individuals to continue to grow? And I think that's something that probably doesn't get talked about enough, but I think it's something that is super important that. Really, we're in the middle of this cultural shift in that way of contemplating and working with that, and I think the pandemic essentially accelerated this a lot too. So there's a lot of factors within that, but I think it's something that is really worth the time the work the effort to work through and continue to work through. So let's just jump into the text for this week. The first reading is out of Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 1 to 3, 5 and 6, and 8 through 10. This is a very unique reading and there is a little bit of background context that you have to know. You have Jerusalem has fallen. It's another one of those times where Israel is really going through some rough stuff. The city is destroyed. A lot of things have been going on, a lot of turmoil, and they have rediscovered the Pentateuch. So the Pentateuch being the first five books of the Bible. So they have rediscovered and found these. And so the You have this scene then of people gathered in the square and they're reading the books of Moses, the law, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and they're going through them. And what is interesting is you get this image of how many people are there and how they are attentively listening for hours as they are reading through this and answering with amen, amen, and lifting up their hands and as they read the book that they're getting this understanding of what is going on and that there is tears that come out of the people because they realize how God has not abandoned them, that this is something that God has always been there and will always be with them. And what makes this so important is these are people who are one to two generations removed from when the last time that this was really read and talked about. So that hear these words is transformative. And again, understanding the abundance of love that is being given, that God has not forgotten them, that God has not Cast them aside because this hasn't been revealed to them. That God is still striving and going for and reaching for these children. Being able to wrap them up and hold them and care for them. It's a really powerful text. I thought it was a really interesting read with a lot of history behind it. The psalm this week is Psalm 19. This then goes at the beginning here, explaining the handiwork, explaining God through the creation and how the creation continues to give praise and honor to God, and how, in a lot of ways, we can even see that, and how God is working, like with reviving the soil, with being able to be out in the world, in and amongst us, to be. Enlightening our eyes with being able to see what is all going out there, but then even giving this movement within the psalm of that it's more desired than gold, even fine gold, sweeter than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb, moreover than a servant warned, keeping them and their great reward, that this is something that's to be desired, that this is something that God is working with and constantly is interacting with. The New Testament text or second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 12 to 31a. A major part of this section is one of my favorite sections of scripture in general. And it's one of these sections where it's referencing the body of Christ as the body, as a singular body, and how we can't be jealous of these different parts. That each of these different parts have different roles, and yet we are all part of the same body and that we are all needed for the body of Christ to be able to move forward. And that there aren't necessarily weaker parts or weaker things. It's that all these are appropriate. And then here at the end of the text, this is where Paul brings it back around that the different gifts that we all have are all necessary for God to be able to be revealed within our world. That we're all needing these different gifts and skills and talents that we have. That they're all great gifts. There are no greater gifts. So that's where he gets into starting in verse 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret but strive for the greater gifts? This idea that how all of us coming together is what is needed for us to be able to really convey the spirit of giving that God has given to us. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14, going to verse 21. This is Jesus returning to his hometown, and what's interesting about this text is this is half of the story. We get the other half next week, and this half of the gospel, the people are a lot more receptive. As you will find out next week, it turns pretty quickly. But Jesus and especially the beginning of this it's very almost cinematic laid out here he is back in his hometown he goes to synagogue he gets up he goes in front of the people he grabs the scroll of Isaiah and reads off a couple sections and what i picked up from a commentary here it's he's reading sections from Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 Isaiah chapter 58 verse 6 and Isaiah chapter 61 verse 2 which he is then states in verses 18 and 19 here. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim and release the captives and recovery of the sight of the blind and to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and He rolls up the scroll and shows, essentially announces to the whole synagogue, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is where we end the text. And as you'll find out next week, this was not entirely well received. But this idea of Jesus then kind of stepping into his ministry and saying, this is the beginning of me fulfilling this text. That this is the starting point. That I have started this and it will continue to be fulfilled. And especially like with talking about the abundance that we had last week, we will kind of continue that flow through these texts. But before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs for Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help bring you this podcast. I really enjoy being able to listen to three to four different seminary professors from Luther Seminary in their Working Preacher podcast, which deals with the Revised Common Lectionary. But I also really enjoy that they have now over 10 years of going through the cycle, and so thus there is multiple different commentaries from multiple different biblical scholars from all over the world, which really is helpful to be able to bring these texts and help them come alive. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. The second thing I'd highly recommend is checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu. What I really enjoy is, one, having all the texts here together, it's really helpful, especially for me bringing you this podcast. But the thing that really sets this resource apart is having the art section. As I've talked about multiple times, I really enjoy looking at it to be able to look at how did different people throughout the world, throughout history, interpreted these texts and gives a new and different perspective in a visual way to help maybe open up some new ideas about these texts. So if you haven't checked out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library on these different texts, I'd highly recommend that. The final thing I would highly recommend is check out The Chosen. It's a great show and I really am enjoying how it is walking through more in a series base compared to a singular movie, the ministry of what Jesus is doing and being able to dig into some of these questions and have some creative freedom of what are possibly some different conversations that were going on that didn't quite make the cut for the Bible. So if you haven't checked out The Chosen, I'd highly recommend it. There's a lot here. There's a lot to get into and to realize and to recognize. And like I stated, I really enjoyed the 1 Corinthians text partially because of some of the history and stuff that how this text spoke to me. The different skills and abilities that I've had and been given to me by God in the faith. And especially as I was figuring out what that meant for me Realizing that there were other people who were gifted with other things, and yet we are still part of the same body, just God had equipped us in different ways to be able to be part of that body. And I think that's an important realization that we all go through that we are one body of Christ, and how do we work together to be able to utilize these different skills to help the body? grow to help the body be more like Christ, that we're all in this together and that there isn't lesser or greater. It's that we're all equipped in different ways that are helpful to the body of Christ. And especially then when here you have Jesus coming together and acknowledging the past with breeding from the prophet of Isaiah and what he was coming into the world to do, but that this is the beginning early in Jesus' ministry, that this is the beginning of the fulfillment. This isn't the fulfillment, the total be-all, end-all, that this is today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. But it doesn't mean that that's ending at the hearing of this, that this is something that is continuing on, that this is the beginning of that fulfillment was what I was kind of getting at. And I think that's important to be thinking about because it also is the realization of how this is a continued mission, that we're not done yet. This is something that we're all in this together. And I find it so interesting to be tying this with the Nehemiah text to recognize like how at times we have forgotten things and that we get this rebirth in a way of how the faith is or recognizing or remembering how important that connection to faith really is. But the kicker really is Psalm 19, talking about how God is in and out in the world in these different things and is always moving out there. And that's what got me thinking. When you are working within an ecosystem, there is a lot of balance that is trying to happen all at the same time, and it's very difficult. One of the things we have talked about in the past, and I'll see if I can have some links down below about is carrying capacity, for instance. That we have this ideal line of carrying capacity for a species based on, again, resources, being prey, being shelter, being whatever, and that this is something that can be affected over time. But the crazy thing is, is that you can have an animal over its carrying capacity, essentially meaning it will crash back under the carrying capacity, and as it tries to ovulate around the carrying capacity, and probably will never perfectly hit the carrying capacity. And it's something that can be drastically affected. But that also is the realization that there is a balance, that there is a system to what is going on in an ecosystem to be able to even get to that point. So there's a lot of different ways that, that, that this is happening. Some one of the easy ways or one of the easier ways to be able to think about it, and it's a very basic concept, is how energy moves throughout an ecosystem. You have producers, consumers, and decomposers. Producers being the idea of your plant life. Things that are growing, things that are providing fruit, providing for the community, something that is going to help in a ways expand the community. Consumers, things that are eating that, to be able, who are dependent upon the producers to be able to live. And then decomposers who are breaking down both the producers and the consumers to return it to the earth to be able to continue life moving forward. So thus the producers can use the nitrogen and different, the soil, the things that have been broken down so that it can bring forth life. If you remove one of these from an ecosystem, It becomes incredibly difficult for that ecosystem to be able to thrive for an extended period of time. At some point, that ecosystem will die because it needs those three to be able to rotate the energy through, but just to be able to survive. It's needed. They are interconnected together. Let's look at it from another perspective. In any good ecosystem, there are keystone species. Keystone species are species that directly impact an environment more than what we would initially expect. So take for instance a prairie dog or a beaver. So a prairie dog is going to be prey, but it also because of its dens, it's providing habitat for when the colony moves. It provides different habitat, maybe for like a burrowing owl or something else that's living in a den. It's also turning over soil to allow for plant species to come. It then is allowing for different pollinators to be there because now you have new blossoms. So it's keeping your pollinators around. It's providing additional food and resources as we've kind of talked about. It's wide scoping. It's providing potential seeds for birds because you've opened up the soil for something like that to have the reach that that one species has within an ecosystem is much greater. Beavers, if you want to take that example, creating dams, creating whole new ecosystem, damming out the river to change the landscape, being able to suddenly slow the river, maybe it's changing how the fish are reacting, it's changing how Even the animals that don't directly work with beavers, say like a wolf or something, might change its path so it doesn't go through the water. It's changing flows. It's changing how many trees are in that ecosystem. It's adding maybe a marsh where there once was a river or stream. This is a drastic change to an ecosystem. And these are very, very important. Take, for an instance, the difference between a generalist species and a specialist species. A generalist species being able to help lay the foundation for an ecosystem to thrive. But it's going to be found potentially in varying degrees. Whereas like we've talked about before in the past, Kirkland's warbler, who is looking specifically for specific types of jackpines at specific ages in order for them to be able to survive, is a specialist. That it's looking for very in particular things. If you take these things away, they are no longer there. This is directly affecting the ecosystem. This makes it so that that ecosystem is no longer serving that population. They disappear. You have lost biodiversity in that ecosystem, a.k.a. the amount of plant life or species within an ecosystem, is the higher is more biodiversity. You want biodiverse places. It makes it more resilient to something coming in. If you have an ecosystem that has very low biodiversity, it doesn't take as much to drastically change that landscape to destroy that ecosystem. You see, a generalist is going to help lay the foundation for a specialist to be able to come in. And as one specialist leaves, maybe it's because something is changing and growing for the better or for the worse. Maybe a different specialist comes in, or maybe it allows for more generalists to come in as the forest is evolving but it recognizes that each of us have a niche. Each of us have places where we're comfortable, but places where we plug in, places that fit our abilities. That's what's so powerful about these texts. It's not trying to figure out in the first Corinthians text on which body part are we It's recognizing as a church community that we are different body parts and how do we work together to maximize the use and benefit of them? How do we get the church, big C, to work together to be able to get these body parts to function correctly? Because if we just say that that's not important, it's like pulling something out of the ecosystem. And at some point, you have drastically changed the ecosystem beyond repair, beyond recognition. We're all in this ecosystem together. We're all contributing to the biodiversity of this ecosystem. We are all needed. How are we going to work together to make this a thriving community to be able to last the generations, to be able to make this ecosystem, even as it evolves, to be a healthy ecosystem that's resilient? We need specialists. We need those people to be able to come in and to specialize in certain things to be able to really nitpick an ecosystem that it's being super specific, looking for specific things because that reaches in a different way. But we need those generalists who are going to come in and help lay a foundation to be able to have the possibility of having specialists within this ecosystem. Because without a generalist, we don't have specialists, but the specialists help the generalists and maybe help lay the foundation for other generalists to come in when they have to move on. We need keystone species who have greater impact to an ecosystem than we initially expect. But that also means we still need to be able to have the ecosystem around enough to be able to maximize the benefit of having that keystone species. Just because the keystone species allows the opportunity for the ecosystem to grow, to have more plant life come in, doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to happen. We have to be able to have the thriving community around us to be able to maximize that. We need to understand that we need the producers, we need the consumers, and we need the decomposers to be able to make this system work. And the thing is, is within our lifetimes, we might be at different stages in different parts of the faith and different ministries that we're doing. We might be part of all of those, but they're all needed. What makes earth so amazing is the amount of ecosystems that we have, the biomes that we have, essentially biome being larger ecosystem encompassing many ecosystems, so like a desert biome would be an example, but then you could have ecosystems within that desert biome that are unique. So like if you have a stream running through a desert, that's going to change the ecosystem around that area, but yet it's within the biome ecosystem. It's within a biome. That ecosystem is within the biome, but it's unique. It helps bring life into that biome that otherwise wouldn't be there but what makes earth so amazing is the amount of biomes that we have the amount of unique places that we actually have i mean how many of us talk about traveling to different places and partially to be able to go and see different ecosystems to see unique things why isn't the church that way why isn't our faith that way why aren't we in the places where we're recognizing the uniquenesses and embracing them learning from them, recognizing that we're all within the body that way, and we're working together to be able to create a better body that way. How are we doing that? The fulfillment of Christ coming in and recognizing and talking about directly that he's, Here to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release of the captives, to recover the sight of the blind, the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord, the Jubilee is what kind of gets interpreted there, which was every 25th year when debtors were released of their debt. That this was the beginning of that. The Christ was the beginning of this. Think about when a church burns its mortgage papers, it's the beginning of that freedom. It's the beginning of a new life within the church because no longer is that mortgage with that church. It's new. It's been given new life. The new life that we see in Nehemiah, the new life that the people are receiving, that they're weeping, they're weeping at the news that they are being given. The Twitter question I have for you is how is the church embracing our different gifts? Part two, how are then we using these gifts? How are we embracing these gifts? And then how are we using these gifts as a big C church? Not as individual denominations, not as individual churches, as the collective Christian church. How? I would argue in a lot of ways we're not doing it well. We aren't. We struggle with the idea of being able to work together as a global community and it's something that's been reiterated over the last two years especially and it's sad because we have the opportunity we have the opportunity for the church at a global level to do things that we've never done before and yet we don't and yet we still want to stay in our separate ecosystems and don't want to incorporate and start looking at the biomes that we have and see how these biomes work together and play off of each other to create this amazing place called Earth. And Yet, we can't do that as a church, can we? I think it's one of the things that we really, in this epiphany season, as we're thinking about and looking at the early ministry of Jesus, we need to look at and consider deeply. We need to start looking for the similarities instead of immediately pointing out the differences start finding places where we can work together instead of finding things that separate because if we're going to live out what has been fulfilled the beginning of that fulfillment to bring good news to the poor to proclaim the release of captives to recover the sight of the blind to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of god's favor and why because we're anointed with that the spirit of the lord That we have to be willing and able to recognize the beauty of these different ecosystems that make up these biomes, that make up this amazing planet that we have. If we can do that in science, why have we not been able to figure that out within our faith communities? That's where I think we need to spend some time. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.